you're going to lose the sale more often than not if you don't make content with the client and establish a relationship right away. So when you're out in the job, if you're a single owner, owner operator, this is really tough because you don't want to be pushing the wand or the, you know, you know, the pressure washing hose or whatever, and then have the phone ring and you pick it up and Mrs. Jones looking out the window at you and like, are you answering the phone on my time? Like there's a sensitivity there. I get that. Um, but if you can't answer your phone at all times, you have got to figure out a way to get it done. You're throwing money away. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kowalski, and today we're going to talk a little bit about how you answer your damn phone. Whether you do it, whether your wife does it, whether your daughter does it, whether you hire someone to work in the office at home or uh, you hire it out, have it done through a third party, that's a tricky situation to get into, but you have to answer your phone. Yes. So... uh, we're going to talk about that and a handful of experiences that we've been through with Service Monster. Um, we had our own call center at one point, but we'll deep dive into that later. Before we do that, let's get to some housekeeping. Adam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so one thing we'll be mentioning every week, um, kind of leading up to this, is August 15th. Everyone needs to mark your calendars. August, August 15th. 15th. and 5 o'clock p.m. Yep, and that's a Pacific time, correct? That's correct. Yep. Pacific time. So 5 p.m. Pacific uh, time. So we're going to do a large webinar right? Um, for the new Service Monster app. Service Monster Simplified. That's the messaging that you're going to see. The webinar is not a value webinar. We're not going to be there talking about how you run your business. We're going to be there talking about Service Monster. Yep. Service Monster platform, Service Monster desktop, the new core features set. That's the $49 subscription. I'm going to talk about raising our prices. We're going to be releasing a trial, which allows you to just jump in and use it for 15 days. Uh, not, you know, not doing, we're doing away with the demo, right? Um, mobile environment that we're not calling mobile pro anymore. This will just be service monster because the technician app and mobile three will be going away. Um, but I'm, oh, the schedule which is in beta now. So um, the new schedule rebuild was just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. We, Service Monster 5, like, crushes, right? Service Monster 6 has some things that are better and some things that people of who use 5 like better in 5 than 6. This is a perfect first merge of the um, brilliance and simplicity of 5 and the functionality of 6. Uh, but giving you the data and the views. And I mean, it's just so good. Aaron spent six months on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I'm super excited. So, you know, all those things. We got price changes. We got core coming out. We've got the app, um, scheduling changes, and trial. All of those are kind of over the next 60 days will be coming out off soft, kind of soft releases in beta. And uh, when we do that webinar, that'll kind of be the grand unveiling of the whole thing the whole kit and caboodle and making that available for anyone who wants to jump in um, or who you know, wants to give Service Monster an actual ride and see what we've got going on on the mobile front now uh, post this release. Yep. So again, August 15th, 5 o'clock, 
we're going to be giving away some prizes. We're going to be talking about workflows. And uh, the, the whole message is just service monster simplified. Core is ridiculously simple. Like if all you need is your basic core CRM scheduling order management, that's, that's the product. And that'll have everything that m mobile has the app and core kind of go really well together. Uh, and then as you need it and as you expand into pro and enterprise, you can get more of those deeper features that some people seem to be lost in because we throw too much at them at first. So again, this whole message about simplification, we're going to be really diving into that. From a business owner point of view, you guys are going to be interested to know that uh, if you've been paying attention, you know that out of a $5 ad spend, $4 goes to value content. So they're not ads. One out of $5 that we spend goes towards ads. Sorry, over the next 60 days or so, we'll be pushing the podcast and we'll be pushing maybe some Entree Joe stuff now and again. But for the most part, we're flipping the script on that. We're going to be doing four or $5 and $0 on value promotion. Um, it's interesting too, because the team is working out kind of a storyboard over telling this simplification story. Um, and we're gonna use a handful of different advertising mediums, whether it's gonna be video or selfie videos or straight up you know, video ad um, in uh, imagery, comics. We're, we're gonna tell this story with multiple ads. And it's a nice constraint because it helps the creative team focus on kind of one thing and one message. And then out from that comes a whole bunch of content that we can then promote and use as advertising. So maybe spend a little longer. I won't spend as much time in the next coming weeks, but we will be reminding you again, August 15th, five o'clock, the full release of Service Monster Simplified and a whole slew of new features and, uh, and functions for you guys to build your business with. So we're all very excited. Yeah, and if all of that wasn't enough to kind of get you guys enthused about that, you know, you'll see both of our smiling faces on there. So I know you guys like to <laughs> like to chat with us. Yeah, uh, I'll be hosting that one personally, and uh, Adam will be co-hosting with me. Yeah. So go on there and, and you know show up and let's let's chat and go go through that whole presentation. But we're being open to can you know conversation and questions just like always. So yeah. And this actually leads perfectly into the next little bit because we have a lot of new things coming out. Well, we need to make sure that you know the, the QA test environment there is handled because all these new features. We get to rebuild QA how we see fit at this point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull Ethan on that to help us too because some of the automated testing stuff that he had worked on was perfectly fine and viable and worked for six, but nobody maintained it, so it wasn't being used. Um, and then the automated rest testing. So we have two two threads of automation that aren't really being utilized right now. Yes. So we're going to make sure that those get put into place. And then uh, one of the guys, just a kick-ass button smasher. He used to work for Microsoft in QA and can break anything and knows how to look at things from the user's point of view. So, but yeah, uh, one starts on Monday and our process is all new employees spend two weeks, let's spend a week or two weeks, depending on where they're destined, uh, but at least a week in the support department. Just yep. listen to support calls and watching the support people work. I'll actually be involved a little bit on, on that too. Yep. So Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're the trainer. You should be. It's like, duh. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then uh, personnel issues while we're on the subject. Um, Javi, you guys have seen him on the show and the podcast. Um, he is off to greener pastures. Uh, he was an entrepreneur coming in. I said, dude, let's do two years and see where you're at. You can figure out where you're going from there. Um, I think he got stuck, to be honest. He wasn't quite here two years, but I saw him be like comfortable. But now his girlfriend's graduating and dragging his ass to Eastern Washington for an internship that she has. So that's it's a good it's a good spot for him. It's a good spot for us. Skyler, who has been um, the sales manager assistant, I I cannot wait to see what that guy does. So uh, Skyler's been around for a while. We pulled him out of Super Agents. Um, he's been really helping out in the sales and onboarding team. He's been he fits in really well, and uh, I'm excited to see him on the sales front. I saw we just put him in the chair yesterday, and he's already got like three sales racked under. So. Yeah, and he's been yeah, slowly moving. ramping up to that too. So I mean, yep. he's he's great. I love I've loved Skyler since the pretty much the, the day I met him. Like <laughs> amazing personality, yeah. hard worker. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's uh, that's kind of the cleaning the the shop there. Um, we can probably move right into smug. The first post was kind of relating to things we've already talked about a little bit, but there's some clarification here, and I think that it's good um, to get this post out there because. Mary Lynn, um, she posts a lot in Smug, but uh, she wanted to clarify something with you about the additional work or rework or things like that and how that's f- filtered through your KPIs and as far as like what the best kind of practice is there. Right. And you kind of explained that, uh, I guess in this case, it was more Brenda was the one who kind of went through mm-hmm. and Brenda's a rock you. star on Smug. Yeah. Love her. And so this is just for everyone who maybe has this process is if you're creating zeroed out invoices for your rework, it will affect your dashboard, uh, like your KPIs there. Yeah. Um, it's There are a couple of reports that will filter that out because they're not, they're looking at slightly different things. And uh, Brenda listed those as far as the, um, what was the one, the... The top customers report, I think, was one. Um, there's another kind of more very specific report. But I guess the main point to take here is what you explained, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Yep. You don't need to make a whole separate invoice you don't. For, for your rework. You have multiple jobs in each order. Yep. And the, the perfect scenario that fits with the design of the product, at least as it stands right now, I mean, go to Smug and tell us how it might should work differently. Um you know, and, and there might be a case for removing $0 invoices from the calculation, but it goes against my nature because that's a, that's a kind of a filter we just normally don't do because then it's hard to explain. Um, so when you want to do rework, you just simply take the invoice and you schedule a new job against it. You make new notes. It's new time. You can sign a new crew. And there are reports that will show you that you had a rework and the job type, here's the technicians that were kind of the ones working on it who may have caused the issue that generated the rework. So those two things are really important. Number one, keeping your average invoices and not creating a whole mess of new work for you and new stuff and new stuff in your database. But also like knowing what the technician efficiency is and who was responsible for things that needed rework. If you use the system correctly, it'll dial in correctly. 
So again, it would be, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. Let me look up that invoice. Oh, okay. I see it here. It looks like we were out such and such a date. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, you know what? I'll have my guy come out two days. Does that work for you? And then schedule that invoice on the schedule. Don't create a new one. And then the type, the, the work type, was it status? Not status. Nope. Job type. Job type. Job yeah. type. The job type on the job then would be rework. And there's a couple different types on there from the system. So you can actually make, you can fully customize that field. You can That's call true. whatever you want. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, the, the main thought there too, and again, like Joe said, if you guys think that this is totally whack and, you know, there's a whole nother thought there and there's enough voices, then, you know, take a look at it. But it's. Make me. Yeah. <laughs> but. When you have rework, the idea is that you want to see what the invoice was and then why would that have been a problem doing during that, the workflow? Right. Like, why did this problem come up if he's doing, you know, the basement, the stairs and this? Right. Oh, okay. Maybe he dragged the equipment along after the fact and it made some sense, you know? Sure. Whatever that is. And, but now, the, if you upsell, let's do a little caveat though, yeah. right? If you upsell while you're in the home and you're going to need to collect payment, that's the time you bring out the new invoice or yep. the new order. Right. You don't, no, don't amend the old order. Don't do that. It's no longer just a rework. Yeah. It's yeah. a whole separate entity. And you don't need a job against an order. So, and that could be an interesting scenario too, where you go out and they're like, oh, well, can you do this while you're here? Sure. Taking your mobile device, whip up a new order against that client, have them pay it. Done. No big deal. You can go back and go, oh my gosh, there's no job against this. That's okay. It doesn't have to be for the system. That's for you. Right. So, um, so yeah, you know, you could put a job against it and then it would double up. You'd have what would look like a conflict, one for the rework and then one for the job that was tied to the order that you charged them. But again, it's, it's not a big deal. It's a bigger deal to make those extra orders when they're unnecessary. Also, just one quick kind of training tidbit. If you guys are not aware and you're using six, because all of you guys are using six, right? Yeah. Um, if you're using six on the quick ad, there is an order lookup function, um, and I found during the training process that some of the older users aren't aware that it's there. Yeah, you don't have to use the quick add to make a new order. Nope. You can use the quick add to grab an existing order. Of course, you should grab your customer first, right? And you actually don't have to. If you, you don't have if to, if you know the order number, it makes, you don't makes have it easier, to. though, right. doesn't it? it? It really depends on what info you're coming in with. Sure, that's why it's a quick add, though. You can start from any flipping vector, and then yep. it just flows through. So yeah, you can grab an account and then find an order that's existing, or you could just go to that order uh, section in the quick ad, find the order, and it'll backfill the account for you. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So hope that was helpful. The next one I thought was interesting because this is something that we've started to talk about in-house. Um, uh, you can make me do this. One. I am going to make you do this because it's it's fun. Like uh, I'm sure you'll put me on the spot later, and it'll be fine. Bruno. Um, Bruno asked about um, a filter by order type in the drip campaign. Yeah. And it brought up, I think, a really nice dialogue between you and him kind of understanding what he was trying to do. I don't think I communicated the message I was trying to communicate because it's a very hard message to communicate. Okay. Which is why I'm glad you brought it up here, yeah. right, for everybody. Let's see if I can do this without being too geeky. When you're marketing, you're marketing to a client. That's right. pretty much the end of it. Now, when you then start talking about filters, filters that are properties of the client are pretty easy. Name, uh, primary site, phone numbers, addresses, act, some activity. 
like last and next of stuff. Right. But when you start talking about jobs and orders, opportunities, they're what we call a one-to-many relationship. So for each account, you can have many orders. And for each order, you can have many jobs. This is a very layered and web type data structure. Um, it keeps it flexible and gives you guys the tools you need to do when you're on the job and in your business and to put together the right processes and SOPs. But when you say, I want to create a marketing campaign that targets an order type, my brain fries. Because what you just told me is I want to market to a client based off an order type that could conceivably be in any state in any list of any of those clients. In this example, you wanted to target somebody what voided? Was it void today? Yeah. And see, that's actually the really interesting part to me um, because I've had this come up yeah. um, uh, where his main point, and I don't know we want to throw out names necessarily of uh, competition, is no, there are other yes. um, software that have this, this issue where they're sending out a drip to follow up on estimates or whatever. Right. And there's no trigger that when they've said, essentially, I don't want to move forward. Right. And so that's what he's trying to use out of this. Oh, the, so I don't it, want to move forward. So it's basically a remove this from the drip campaign without him having to manually do it. Because what he's done is what I have trained against, which is basically make a like a custom field with a date that says they've refused it on this date. Right. But that's a manual process yeah. in an automated you know marketing. So I think that's really... So he just wants to avoid the order and then have it go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, right? Because that's a specific use case. Yep. In that case, you know, you would need a, some sort of a filter that was a sum of the fields to make it a one-to-one against the account. And in the, this field could be something like uh, number of open estimates, right? So if you, your number of open estimates is one or greater, and then that way when the estimate goes to avoided, then they're good. But do you... I'm trying to communicate to the team. I know you get it, but to the to the people out in the podcast realm, um, when you think about targeting your clients, you got to think in terms of one-on-one for those filters. When you start looking at jobs and orders, because there's many of them, you've got to narrow that down. You can do things like, well, give me the last order of X type or the first order of X type or the current order of X type. Um, I guess current would be, you know, the date that was last in the list, right? Um, So, you know, you can do things like that or, you know, how many in open estimates they have, count of open estimates, that count of open work orders, right? You can do stuff like that. But even then that starts to get tricky because if you don't manage it quite right, then things go south and maybe you're not sure why because it's not necessarily as apparent. So, and and I think it's a valid use case. Um, I think we need to take a look at at more use cases and see if we can obfuscate the fields that would make the most sense right and and this and this estimate count was just off the top of my head i hadn't thought about it before so as these conversations happen right that gets engineering brains working and coming up with solutions just like that texting solution that we had this morning right with brian mm-hmm. uh you know i think it's great so you know moving forward with um, data and feedback. So if you guys want to, in Smug, start a, a discussion around some additional filtering types we need, we can do that. But when I come back to you and go, which order? It means that there's a 
calculate. There's a fundamental. Let me try that again. There's a fundamental mathematical flaw in the way you've approached the question, right? So the so the answer would be an answer that would give me one or zero orders for that account that we could then query against. So. I hope that helped, Bruno. I know that we tried to chat about it a little bit, and, and then I, you know, what I was really trying to do is, don't don't engineer the solution. We'll do that. Give me the use case. Give me the problem you're trying to solve. Exactly, and that's that. This whole thing went perfectly from how I envisioned it because that's exactly it. What eventually came out was useful. Like we could take that and be like, okay, I see what he's trying to do. That is a difficult problem. Yep. And so we can take that and actually try to find a solution. Right. So I, I'm going to say it again because it's important. People of Smug, don't engineer shit, right? You guys aren't engineers. So you ask a question about, hey, I want to do this. And, and the way you ask it says the app needs to have this function. Well, don't do that. <laughs> you might be right, right? I'm not saying you guys aren't smart or some of you haven't even slung code before. But there's so much uh, data you don't have, especially in a sense of scale. So instead, what you say is, hey, yo, Joe, I need to be able, is there or is there a way to drop these accounts out of my filter when I close the invoice to void? And I'll go, um, you know, not currently, but let me think about that. And then the engineers get to work and then we create a field just like number count of total open estimates or whatever. And, uh, and, and then we roll from there and then you go, oh, okay. And then it can be used in other things, yep. in other ways and leveraged in different, different ways. So, yeah, cool. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to add a few things in here. I'm going to go to one by Don because I get asked about this a lot. Not necessarily this exact question. Um, but how many times have, have you heard this probably too? Like, what's the best tablet to use? What's the best you know computer to buy? Yeah. And at this point, there's so many options that um, you know you never really want to just narrow it down to one specific thing. It's really right. just kind of find out what you need it for. Right. Find some specs and whatnot. But um, she was asking about a laptop to use with Service Monster, and the point that I wanted to kind of get out there to possibly help uh, potential users is how you responded about the resolution. Yes. So go ahead and answer that. Yeah, so first I would say that Service Monster should, you know, we're moving towards Service Monster working well on all platforms, whether that's tablets or mini laptops, uh, so that things kind of flow and move around correctly. You can see and scroll everything. Um, we're not there yet. And there's a, there's a handful of screens that actually just get right up gummed up. Yeah. The activities management screen is one of those. If you're on a laptop with a resolution that's the height is a little or the width is a little non-standard. Um, I might be going over people's heads here. So let me back up for a second. Um, you have a screen size, right? The size of your screen. Uh, and then you have the resolution. You have, buy a television. You don't worry about resolution because it's all 1080. Uh, so... Computers, though, they have different resolutions. It's the number of pixels on the screen and the density. And, you know, those tablets even get crazier. And then the phones have ultra high resolutions, right? So you can get lost in that really quick. Anything over, generally anything over 800 pixels in height, you're going to be okay. That's kind of the standard rule that I've seen. These laptops are coming like 788. <laughs> They're they're problematic. They can be problematic. Now, how do you? It's easy fix. Zoom. 
is your friend. Right. So just, you know, go to a hundred and uh, 10% or what? No, 90%. Yeah. You need to zoom in or out depending on what you need. What you need. You're usually going to go smaller though. If you're going to zoom at all, you're going to go smaller. So you're going to go like 90% or 80%. You're just going to play with that until you get it dialed in and it just looks awesome because it will look awesome once you get it dialed in the sweet spot. So the resolution is really not necessary, except if you're a computer user who doesn't understand anything about computers, you buy a computer and you log in and you open up and you think, that's the end game. What I'm seeing, Service Monster moving around. Okay, I can't change it. That's it. My laptop sucks or Service Monster sucks on this computer. Again, Zoom is your friend. Uh, and then going in, if you're going to get new equipment, just make sure 800 pixels high at least. Now, we are continually working on making these resolutions better. So the other thing is tablets, phones, that kind of stuff. We don't officially support Service Monster 6 uh, on those environments, um, but we're moving towards doing that. The framework was built to have touch, but when we were first released 6, 6 didn't have an auto direct redirect for the phones. And I was seriously getting messaged for like, Joe, what the hell, man? I can't use it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't. So people are raving about 6. Why? And then he sent me a screenshot, and this happened more than once, and they're trying to use six on the phone. And it's like, all I can see is the site. I was like, yes, no, you can't use six on your phone. <laughs> They'll never be able to use six on your phone. But we are targeting tablets. We'll be fixing that. And again, resolution, 800 high, and you should be, uh, you should be okay. Zoom is your friend. So, yeah. Thanks, as always, to our smug users. Um, I, I'll never stop uh, kind of thanking them, even even those uh, few but uh yeah we'll just kind of move into our deep dive which uh, you'd already mentioned there and that is and i put in all caps because this is dear to me um answering your phones like i see this all the time reaching out to help you know the new users coming on board just to give them some training um and i i see things like their voicemails full um, they're just not answering while they're out in the field. So literally the entire day, they don't answer the, the phone. Or they'd answer your call. And see, I always <laughs> joke about that. I'm like, you know, maybe you're just seeing the the Washington number and I get it. You know, that's yeah, fine. But that's I, not what's happening. It's not. No, not normally. And I think that's what it's highlighting this underlying problem. And, you know, you can't do everything and also be available to answer every call. Like that's you'd right. never get anything done. So I guess we'll kind of do this in a few different segments, but um, this is obvious, I guess. But like, why is this so important, Joe? I mean, speed, right? Um, you're going to lose the sale more often than not if you don't make contact with the client and establish a relationship right away. So when you're out in the job, if you're a single owner, owner operator, this is really tough because you don't want to be pushing the wand or the, you know, you know, the pressure washing hose or whatever, and then have the phone ring and you pick it up and Mrs. Jones looking out the window at you and like, are you answering the phone on my time? Like there's a sensitivity there. I get that. Um, but if you can't answer your phone at all times, you have got to figure out a way to get it done. You're throwing money away. And let's say every lead costs you 50 or 60 bucks. And, and legitimately, that's it's typically the price is you'll spend 60 to $80 to, to get into the home for the first time. And so if you get that lead and you don't answer the phone, they're going to call the next person on the list or your ad is going to make them search on the Google box because you didn't answer the phone and your ad's going to drive business to somebody else. So that's the biggest reason. 
Um, and then yes, customer support too, making sure that customers feel like they're supported, that you just didn't leave them, and then I can't get a hold of you, right? Called you like three times, couldn't even leave a message. What the hell? Not professional. You're not going to grow that way. It's just not going to happen. So you've got to figure out how to deal with that. And there's like a handful of ways that you can try to solve this problem, but it's not an easy problem to solve until you've got a couple people on your staff. That's when things take a real big turnaround. Then every call is answered. Nothing slips through the cracks and you get every sale that you can get. That's when you can start to grow. So how do you bridge the gap? That's the big question. Because as a single owner operator, it's going to be hard to get enough cash coming in to pay for a second body. That second body, where are you going to put them in your home? Are you smoking dope halfway throughout the day? You have no idea what they're doing when they're there. Do you know what the an eight hour a day in the office even looks like for your business? I mean, if you're a single owner operator, you don't. You just don't. You're out there and you're you're hustling and you're doing everything and you're wearing every hat and you're, you know, making the jobs happen, you're collecting the payment. You don't know how the flows and the operating procedures of that office run for 8 hours to keep somebody busy. The things that and how do you train that if you don't know it? And then how do you expect them to get it right if you can't train them? Right. So it's a whole conundrum there, right? The instant win most of the time is the wife. Right. Hey, wifey, come help me with this. Spend a year here with with me and answer the phone. But a lot of times they have their own careers. They have their own aspirations. I want to help you build a business. Their eyes glaze over when you talk about it at night as it is. <laughs> like there he was talking about his million dollar window cleaning business again. Like they love you. But man, right. Your life is business. There it isn't. If you can get them to hook up. Right. If you can get them uh, to say, yeah, I'm in it with you then that's amazing because that mom and pop team can be pretty uh, pretty powerful. Communication is a big key there, though. You've got to communicate with your wife and your husband and and just keep that lines of communication open. Otherwise, it's a easy way to ruin a marriage fast. You also, and this is coming from someone who's not married, so maybe take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> but you need to make sure you have some sort of cutoff of work talk and life talk. But. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, you know, if they're both in it, if they both have the entrepreneurial m- mindset, try to keep them from pillow talk at two o'clock in the morning about the business. Right. Right. Exactly. Just try it. It's not going to happen. But if they're not in it for the entrepreneurial side of it, then yeah, you could totally wear them down when you're the entrepreneur and they're the worker bee. Right. The other thing that you want to be careful of is establishing correct roles and understanding it's like, I'm sorry, babe, but in this environment, I'm I'm going to be your boss or vice versa, right? Because more often than not, I see it as the pops out pushing the wand, glad handing. They got the smile and the personable on the field. And then the moms are handling the phone and the data and the accounting. Can close a job like nobody's business, super good over the phone, fast and efficient. And in that environment, more often than not, Mom is boss. That's just the way it goes because she knows the data and it and actually drives her nuts when pops in there screwing things up. Yep. <laughs> I hear that a lot on training calls. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's option number one, right? So single owner operator followed to option number one would if you have a spouse that you could bring into the team. Um, and then you can even do it part time or you're not getting 
the phones answered on the non-part-time, right? So I would discourage that, but you could do it on a short-term basis. Like, babe, come help me for six months while we get some flow going and then maybe then start paying her slowly over time and build the position up until the company just absorbs the cost. And then at some point you can bring in somebody to replace her and she can go somewhere else. Or, you know, not. And then you just bring in another technician and that's amazing, right? So that's a good first step. Um, another one is, and, and I'm not a huge fan, even though we even we tried it, which is call centers. If there's nothing else, you got to do it. But man, don't expect too much of these guys. They're going to answer the phone. They're going to be better than you. Are they going to close the call or book the job better than you? No. Know that going in. Eat that. Right? Don't try to force them to be as good as what an office staff would be. You're too cheap to buy to hire the office staff anyways, right? And and I'm in air quotes there, right? I'm cheap as a uh, euphemism here for don't don't let it wreck your mindset. You're not paying for a full time employee that you've trained to do your process. Don't expect that out of the call center that you hire to answer your calls and try to book those jobs and get rid of the salespeople and tell Adam to fly, take a flying leap when he's calling you for training. So, <laughs> so, um, so that's, you know, and there's a couple decent ones out there. Answer phones of America, paperclip by Lupe, who was at full circle before they shut down. Um, and I know of what we speak. We, we helped coach four other call centers over the last 15 years. And we ourselves had super agents. We ran that for two, almost two years, 18 months. Um, and it was great. And people like seriously were depressed when we shut it down. Um, we needed to focus on what we needed to do. And I wasn't happy with the level quality of service because I wanted to get as close to in your office as I could get. And we got pretty close, but not where I wanted to go. So yeah, you can hire some people to answer your phone. You get you can get 24-hour options that way if you hunt around enough. But again, don't expect them to be rock stars. Answer, they'll answer every phone. They won't close every deal. I think the other really nice win with the, the phone answering service is if you're someone who's highly seasonal, um, it's way easier to hire that for a four-month period than it is to hire an employee who then what happens to him the other eight months out of the year, right? Yeah. So, the, only, the only cost prohibitive factor there is if the call center has some sort of big setup, right, to, to join that. Or if group. they're a contract base, obviously. Right. Right. So you got to go in go in with a plan uh, to begin with. And then, of course, your next option is to hire uh, an employee, right? So whether it's a nepotism, you bring in a daughter or cousin or something like that, just get started. I typically will say stay away from nepotism as much as possible. It just opens up a can of worms. We've talked about this a few weeks ago. Actually, it was last week. It was last week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, neighborhood kids... You know, uh, or or retired people. Sometimes they're a good source of of somebody who can help you build a business. They just need something to do, so they're willing to take thirteen, fourteen bucks an hour to answer the phones and plug stuff in. You're not going to get computer experts when you go that route, right? Um, some of the things that they could be doing is social media. So who are you going to hire for that? Retired nanny or uh, wannabe blogger, right? But the, will the wannabe blogger sell the job on the phone right with the right training the answer is yes if you bring in the right person so but it's hard because you should have an established protocol you should know what the office environment should look like you should keep be able to keep them busy have tons of tasks that you can train them on 
Um, so hiring that person, there's a commitment there than just, hey, I brought somebody in to answer my phones. I'm going to go out and work and you sit here because that employee will not be there for very long. Because at first it'll be like, yeah, I got this great job where I hardly do shit all day long. And I just surf the internet all day and then uh, pick up the phone when it rings. Or they could be productive in helping you build your business, playing on social media, putting together content, writing blogs, answering the phone, sending out thank yous, you know, all that customer relation management stuff. So you got to be careful. You got to go in with the no. If you're in a college town, um, especially some of the larger schools, <clears throat> they actually have like their job boards on there and you can definitely find people who are very social media savvy. They're in a marketing major. They're, they're doing that. And you can, you can definitely get someone looking for, you know, that work 25, 30 hours a week you can have. That would be amazing. Like bring in a, um, let's say summer help full time right now would be a perfect time. Exactly. Who's a marketing major and say, yeah, part of your job is selling. Cause you know, but it's not outbound or outside sales. You're not like gold chain dude here pick up the phone, be nice, answer their questions, try to get the job booked. But if they're also marketing major, be like, look, dude, half of your day is marketing and setting up my social media presence and creating some rules that the next people can come in, can follow, right? So um, that could be very enticing and, and a win-win, right? Leveraging other people's passions. I talk about it all the time. This would be a perfect example to do that in, but it'll take you a while to find that right person. Right. So that's it. I, I don't think there's any other. I mean, uh, answer your own phone. Have, uh, you know, the missus answer the phone. Uh, hire someone or do a call center. Uh, the, <clears throat> there's there's one other thing that you, you could mention uh, as far as having the online presence, right? If you have some sort of using our web forms with scheduling or if you have something more advanced um, like, you know, Fiddlebug or you literally web developed something that pulls in. Um, to service monster or whatever CRM you're using, you can literally build your own schedule if you know what you're doing. Um, cause we have those endpoints yep. right, in the API. So, um, there is that option as things move kind of more online, but again, you're going to lose the voice. You're going to lose the sales kind of side of that service, you know, and, and, and I, I get this a lot. People come in frantic. I need a web form. I need a web form. Oh my God, I need a web form. Like, okay, you can put up a web form in a, in, in an hour. Some fields, email address, and have it send it to you. No, but I want to auto. Okay, how many get in a day? Well, I don't have one up yet. How many do you think you're going to get? A thousand? Like, you're going to get four emails in a month is how that's going to play out. Now, if you're really good about dropping people at your site, you might get a hundred requests, a hundred leads in a month. But why put the ROI, the development or the you know upfront costs and the freaking out about it before you know Right. So you could start off with an email form or start off with a super simple web forms from Service Monster dump directly into your database. That gets you 85% there. And then call me when you have 150 in a month and they all need self-scheduling service. It's just so rare. Is it headed there? Yes, but it's been headed there for 15 years. Right? Not at no time is the flip going to switch, and all of a sudden, no, the phone's going to stop ringing, and everyone's going to book services online. I don't even do that. I have to talk to the person and have them come out and do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to some random website and then schedule Gavin to come clean my house if I've never met the man. Right. I might do that now just because he uses Service Monster and he's local and he's right. cleaning my house. And he's good. And I can go to his form and go click, click, click. And then he'll be like, dude. <laughs> right. And it's cool and it's neat. But I'm like the one out of the six people who did that that month. And th those were all his customers. So keep it with a grain of salt. Although flipping to that, you know, you could use the API to hook up with Alexa. 
No. I have a video of one of our clients who did it. So, Alexa, schedule a job with so-and-so, so-and-so. And then they stepped them through the process, and that shit went right over to Service Monster. What? Yeah, it was so cool. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so you can do stuff like that. Alexa's going to be scheduling jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, again, no one's going to use it for that, right? Nobody. Schedule a job you know, for next Wednesday with my carpet cleaner. Right. Um, and then just have it happen. I mean, there's got to be some human interaction there. I think everything you just said there is a perfect example of don't get so hung up on the details right away that money and time is being wasted. If there's something that works, get you get yourself some data that comes from that and then start to polish. That's it. right. Yeah. yeah. Too many people want to start with the end. They want to start at the end. Now they're saying start with the end in mind, but you got to freaking start. You can't just whiteboard it to death and then be like, I need the situation. It could be perfect when I release it. No, fuck that. You, you got to get a form out there and start delivering people a form and then see how many people fill it out. Now, if you come back to me, it's like, Joe, I did that. And there's like 400 people a month. I'm like, then hire a developer, man. Let's get some, you know what I mean? And right. then it makes sense. But before that, like, and, and I've been guilty of this. Like for years, Eric and I would solve problems that didn't exist or we wouldn't throw right punches because we were afraid we would be flooded with the flood never comes, man. It never comes. I had one month in 16 years where I went, oh, shit. Right. That was uh, uh, 2000. That was last year, last February. Last February. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was, that was a, an awakening, but it wasn't like – and it was one month. And everything went back to normal, you know, so I'll, I'll deal with that, you know, fix it after the fact. It's about iterative improvement. Uh, and so just get it out in order to iterate. You can't think of everything. So, yeah. So the one last thing that I wanted to bring up, because um, I actually talked to Eric about this earlier today, getting some, some info. Um, I had been going through some old Ask Service Monster shows um, just the, over the last couple of weeks. And this is what got me kind of thinking about this because you had mentioned order of importance as far as for the owner operator and new employees. Um, one, two, three, office manager, tech, sales staff. And then you could swap one and two depending on what role you wanted to play. That's right. right. And so when we decided to kind of go with this for the podcast today, I was like, you know, I kind of want to ask Eric something about service monster and kind of bringing that up because I can already hear um, kind of the thought process for some people is like, well, yeah, it's easy to say that when you have, you know, employees already hired and you have a business process set up, but where do you really know? Like, is there some magical revenue number that you hit before you start hiring someone? And the answer to that is no, obviously. It's scary. And that's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask about the first person that wasn't you and Eric and, you know, the the backbone of this company, the first person you hired and what that process was like. Uh, you, you keep answering, asking me these questions and, and, and it's interesting. I think people are interested in the answer, but they don't always correlate, right? Right. No, it's mostly just because from taking what they were doing out of it, mm -hmm. but just from getting to the point where you had made enough revenue and you were getting enough volume to right. know that that's the point. That's really, I think. Well, we hired before we had that point. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were bootstrapping and spoon feeding. We put five hundred grand into the company over a four-year period of time, spoon feeding it little bit by little bit. That's where the five owners come from. 
<laughs> I provided the brain power and a handful of cash. Eric provided some uh, brain power, some horsepower, and a handful of cash. Chris and Jason just provided a little bit of cash. And uh, Dave uh, provided a lot of brain power in, in his time. And so, uh, and, and he worked for free for a little bit. So that was his cash contribution, right? Um, and so even before we were profitable, we knew had, we had to get people in the door um, in order to build a growing, successful company, which is scarier, right, to be honest. But we knew the plan going in. And I had also been – how long was I? I had managed people for seven years before I started Service Monster. So hiring people, firing people, looking for good people. It's a, it's a never-ending process to learn and grow and get better. But I had already been doing it for seven years before we had started Service Monster. So I, I will say that the more common response to that question for a service provider is just terrified. When do you know when the right time is? Again, Service Monster is a software as a service. That means I don't have to make a single sale next month to make the exact same amount of money I made this month. That gives me ridiculous ridiculous stability, meaning that I can hire somebody and I don't necessarily have to worry about making payroll. If I hired them comfortably in the month they were hired in, it should just be okay from that point forward. Service providers are different because you're going to hire somebody in the high season and you're going to be freaking out how you're going to pay their bills come Thanksgiving. Um, so it's scary hiring people and worrying about someone else's well-being and what they can do for your company. Um, and too many people go into it too quick without really the thought to the, oh, shit, I'm going to be in a deficit for December, January, and February. I'm actually going to be losing money if I keep all my people. But if you're building good people, that just should be part of the game. And as your business grows, that deficit will be a part of your normal flow. I mean, let's face it, Hydromaster, you know, when I knew when Steve was running it, they were making, they were losing 150000 a month for December, January, and February, every single year. They knew it going in. That was just part of the problem. Uh, retail outlets. Those guys don't make any money until Black Friday. That's the first day of their profitability. The whole rest of the year is just keeping the lights on. Yep. So everything's seasonal, and this is part of being a business owner. And another reason why part of the SaaS model is so brilliant, because it's ridiculously stable. You know we're the only business type that gets special loans. Not that I take money out because I'm against loans, but if you're a SaaS company, yes, sir, yes, sir, this way, sir, because they know our accounts receivable is ridiculously stable. So, so yeah, I, that's my answer. Um, it's scary, and you've got to go into it. If you want to succeed, you got to go into it eyes wide open, and you got to know what to expect. And uh, you know, but it's but it's all an iterative learning process. You've got to do it, you know, or you're not gonna get to that next level. Beautiful answer. It's perfect. <clears throat> cool. That's all we got for today. That's all we got. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on the Service Monster Podcast. Come check us out on all of your podcast listening stations as well as YouTube. Uh, join us on Facebook, Instagram. Leave some messages. Hit some likes. And we'll see you on the flip side. Take care.